Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Not everybody that attends church these days goes to amazing church. You guys are part of a wonderful church family led by some amazing pastors and, and staff. I want us to give them a big hand this morning. As Pastor mentioned, we were here yesterday and got to just uh, be here with some other missionaries and other pastors, and, and, and we had a, a great day, and uh, we, we are grateful for partners and churches like, like ECC, and we just want to say thank you to this church for what you do uh, to the community around and around the world. It's amazing. God bless you. Um, my wife's going to come in just a minute, but I would like for her to just stand and... and, and and wave at everybody so you can see my beautiful wife. And publicly, I want to just tell her thank you for, for everything. You know, we've been married for 32 years. We have three children. We have three grandchildren. So she's married to a grandfather. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, we just serve the Lord. But she was willing to go to Africa when our kids were little. And, and our, move our entire family there. So thank you for being obedient. You know, um, God's faithful. The, the song we sing this morning, He's Able. It, 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 it's so true. He's able, but we have to do our part. He, he, he works through people. And we have to do our part. He's able, but are we obedient? He, he's faithful. If, we're, if we, we also have to do our part to be faithful. I want us to, to uh, turn in our Bibles today to Luke chapter 10. While you're turning there, I'm reminded of the story of an older couple named Elmer and Ethel. They were married 56 years. Elmer found himself in the hospital at age 80. And he was in the hospital, laying there. He was awake, but his eyes were shut. And he heard the door of the hospital room open and somebody walked in. He kept his eyes shut. It was his wife, Ethel. She walked into the room and, and sat quietly by his side. And uh, he said, Ethel, is that you? With his eyes shut, she patted him on, on, on his shoulder and said, yes, it's me. I'm, I'm, I'm right here with you. He opened one eye and he said, remember back in 1998, he said, I was hospitalized back then, and you were right there with me, weren't you? And she said, yes, I was, I was right there. He paused for a moment, and then he, he said with both eyes open, he, he looked at her and he said, remember back in 1974, our house caught on fire and burned, and burned to the ground, we lost everything. He said, you were right there with me, weren't you? And she said, yes, I was right there, right beside you, right there with you. He then looked out the window and continued to talk, and he said, remember um, those terrible days of financial difficulties, and I lost my job, and we lost everything. We, we had nothing to live on. You were right there with me, weren't you? 
And she said, yeah, I was right there, right beside you. He finally looked right, her right at the eyes and he said, you know what, Ethel? You're bad luck. <laughs> you know, some people just see life differently. I hope we do not see life in a negative way. I hope we can look at things and see, see the positive and see what God is doing. Please help me here this morning and turn to your neighbor and bless them. Don't curse them. Bless them and say, I want to bless you in the name of the Lord with favor and grace. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we just need to realize we're going to go through difficult times in life. That's what life is. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world, and we're in a fallen world. I, I love what you say. We're imperfect people serving a perfect God. And I might have misquoted that, but, but that's what this church is about. And we go through difficult times. God never says that he's going to keep us from, from going through difficult times once we become a Christian. He's, but when you have the favor and the blessing of the Lord on you, that doesn't mean everything's perfect. It means you're going to face challenges and difficulties and disappointment. But how are you going to face that? Are you going to face that with the attitude of, man, life is hard and everybody around me is doing bad and I, poor pitiful me. Or are you going to say, you know, God's with me through this difficult time. My family's with me through this difficult time. My church is with me through this difficult time. We've got to see things in a way that blesses others, that blesses ourselves. And a lot of that is just by our own attitude and our own way of looking things, knowing that God is not going to leave us. He's going to finish what he started, but we have to do our part. He is able, but we've got to do our part. Many and I have been in, in uh, Africa for 23 years, and, uh, and we've seen some amazing things. But we've also been... been there when it's been difficult when we wanted to give up and we wanted to quit because that would have been the easy thing to do it would have been easy to pack up and bring our kids back to America with all the things going on in America there's some crazy stuff and some things I don't understand in America but an American is a wonderful place of opportunity and freedom that we don't have everywhere in Africa it would have been easier just to come on home and come back to America but God's able God's going to finish the work he started if we, finish our, if we do our part. We, we finish with him. There'll be times we want to fall, fall and give up and quit, but we just get back up because he's able. Because he's going he's to finish the work he started. Let's read Luke chapter 10. This is Jesus. He's teaching to a crowd of people. And in the crowd is a lawyer, is a man of the law, and that man of the law wanted to trap Jesus. And he, he, he questioned him and said, how can one be, be saved? How can one inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing the man's heart, said, you, you, you know the law, what, what does the law say? And he gave a correct answer, to love God with all your heart, to love your neighbor. And Jesus said, yes, you've, you have answered correctly. And then the, the man then again to try to trap Jesus, he said, but who is your neighbor? And this is what Jesus replied back. 
Luke 10, verse 20, um, verse um, 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound him up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the, one, to the man who fell among robbers? In verse 37, and Jesus said, he, or, uh, yeah, yeah, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the command that Jesus gave all of us to go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity today to be with other believers and to worship you. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that we've experienced this morning. Now, I pray that you would anoint the preaching of the word. Open our ears to hear. Open our mind to understand. Open our heart to receive and change and be who you desire us to be in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage that many of us have probably have read many times, we've heard other people teach and preach from. If you've been part of the church, you are aware of, of, of the Good Samaritan. We hear it even in, in the news uh, uh, that from, from non-believers, non-Christians will even refer to people as, the, as a Samaritan or, or, a, or a Good Samaritan because of this story. It's a very common story. Little background, we don't know who this man is who fell among thieves. We just know that he was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem to Jericho is only about 17, 18 miles apart. So it's not a long journey. It was a, a relatively short journey. He was walking, of course. But the elevation and the difference between, between Jerusalem to Jericho is, is drastic. It uses the term in, in the scripture, he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The elevation change was about 3,700 feet, or 3,000, I'm sorry, 3,200 feet. So it was a big elevation change. He was going down almost uh, like a, a mountain down into the valley. It was a desolate area, rugged terrain. And of course, it was commonplace to have thieves and robbers and bandits hiding out in this, in this terrain, looking for somebody who was an easy target to, to steal and take their stuff. And this man, probably a Jewish man, because it was a, a, he was speaking to the, to the Jewish people, but we don't know, fell among thieves. They beat him, the Bible said, robbed him, tore his clothes even, left him half naked and left him to die. Left him naked, I guess, and half, half dead. Left him there just to, to die. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been the one that's been taken advantage of? been hurt or harmed. 
If you live long enough, it'll happen to you. The Samaritan, though, he was un- unlike the others. We see first a priest, a man of, 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 of the calling of God came by and saw him and passed by on the other side. If anybody should help this man, it should have been the priest, the man of God, but he passed on by. Now, he could have given reasons. There was, there was uh, uh, the law of the priest that couldn't, couldn't touch the blood of other people and couldn't touch dead people, and he didn't know if he was alive or dead. So there was maybe a reason why, according to the law, but still, the priest should have done something. Then came a Levite. A Levite was a temple worker, one who worked in the temple, a person who, who was a, a, a man of God as well, served in the temple. And it said in one, one passage, a, a translation, that he came and he looked at him, and then he walked on by. He didn't do much more than the priest, but he at least went over and looked at him, and then walked on by. And then came the Samaritan. In, the, in Jewish custom and in Jewish history, the, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. You know, I, racism is a horrible thing. It's all, it's a, it's, it's, Satan uses it to, to create division and destroy people and, and ruin families and ruin friendships. Racism is horrible. And this was a form of racism. The Samaritan, they were, the Samaritans came because of the Assyrian, the Assyrians came and conquered the Jewish people and raped and pillaged the Jewish people. And, and, and took them in, into captivity. And a Samaritan was of mixed race, part Jew and part uh, Assyrian. So the Jews looked down upon him. I think it's so interesting that Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of the story. We know the heart of Jesus right here from just this story. Jesus says, no, the one that you look down upon, that's who I'm going to lift up. That's who I'm going to uh, tell you how we should all be. You Jews, you should act like and be like the Samaritan. So to the crowd of people, there was probably some people there that didn't like that story at the beginning. They had a hard time with it because of their own heart and their, 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 their own sin. But Jesus was saying, no, this is what is right. We see that the Samaritan did a few things, and I'd like us to focus on a few of those things that, that the Samaritan saw, and the Samaritan was. Number one, the Samaritan was moved with compassion. It said that before, when he saw them, he was moved with compassion, and then he did something. <clears throat> we should be moved with compassion when we see people hurting, when we see the community not doing what they should do, when we see around the world fighting and wars and problems. We should be moved with compassion. It's so exciting to hear what, you, what this church did on, on Friday to reach out to their community and have 400 uh, uh, people that were here that were not in the church that were not typically go to the, go, that go to the church here. You reached out to your community. That is wonderful. And I believe you did it because of the compassion you have that Jesus has given you to this community. Well done. But com- we, as, Samar- we as, as Christians should be like the Samaritan and be moved with compassion. Serving the Lord involves all of us to respond with compassion. The greatest need in the world, the greatest need on the planet, it's simple. There's one that's greater than all other needs, and that's, a, that's, the, that's lostness. When people are lost spiritually, 
that's the greatest need. Because the Bible tells for those that are lost, even though Jesus paid a price for their salvation, if they do not accept that salvation and choose to repent and follow Jesus, they're lost. Eternally, eternity to hell. There's nothing worse than, than that. People say, oh, well, what about poverty? You know, there'll be people that, were, that are poor that will find their way in heaven. Poverty's bad. I don't, I, 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 I've been at times in my life where I, I didn't have it as much as I would like. So poverty is bad, but it is not near as bad as lostness. Being taken advantage of is bad. But there will be people who are taken advantage of that will be in heaven. There's nothing worse than lostness. And that's why Jesus has called all of us to share the gospel. Us, called us to Africa. He might not have called you to Africa, but he's called you to be the light of the world to your community and to those people you work with, those you go to school with, those that live on your block, those that you, you come in contact with. You are responsible to share the gospel with them. We should be encouraged and motivated by the, by the compassion of God for others, for the hurting and the lost. Secondly, we see the Samaritan met the man's need. He not only had compassion on him, but he went and met this man's need. It said that he took up him and clothed him and cleaned his wounds and put him on his own animal, his own donkey, and he took him to an inn and helped him. Not only do we help need to have compassion for those around us but we need to meet the needs of those around us Jesus is our example he healed the sick those that were possessed by evil spirits he delivered them at times those were hungry he fed the multitudes Jesus met the needs of those around him we must do the same in, in, in Africa we've had been because of the partnerships like this church we've been able to drill water wells where, where there was no access to clean water we've been able to build churches and, and Bible schools and elementary schools we've been able to partner in, in areas that with, with little medical uh, um, uh, opportunities we've been able to help with medical clinics and you have done the same in this community here you've been able to meet needs of others we need to be meeting the needs of others third we see that it cost the Samaritan something. When you're involved in ministry, when you're involved in helping your community, when you're involved in helping someone else, it's going to cost you. Following Jesus costs you something. Salvation is free. The gift, the, salvation is a gift and, the, and salvation is free. But when you choose then to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your time your comfort, your convenience. It's going to even cost you at times your money and your possessions. This man it said that he took out his money and he paid the in. And he said this should cover the cost. But if it doesn't, when I come back, I will even pay more. It's going to cost you to follow Christ. I want Mindy to come and share... She's, been, she's read a, a book recently and she read a passage in that book to me and I thought, oh man, that, that hurts because it, it was right at me. I think it needs to be shared with you. So for the last several months, the Lord has been really speaking to me through these, um, they're called the Paradoxical Commandments and a man named Kent Keith wrote them. A lot of times they're attributed to Mother Teresa because her life 
exuded these types of um, ideas, but I find myself more and more convicted for not living this way as much as I should, and at the same time really inspired that God would have me to strive to do better at, at um, living in this way. And it says, uh, these are the, the paradoxical commandments, people are un illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Have you ever been that person that's illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered? I, I know I have. Love them anyway. If you do good, people may accuse you of having a selfish, ulterior motive. Anybody ever experienced that? Do good anyway. If you are successful, you may win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you do good today, it may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and the smallest women with the smallest minds. <laughs> Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but they will only follow top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight, but build it anyway. Look where we're sitting. We've built something. Your church has built something. Over 70 years, you're going to celebrate because somebody said, we're going to build anyway. No matter what anyone says, no matter what the risk, no matter what may happen, we're going to build anyway. Thank you, Jesus. People really do need help, but they may attack you if you try to help them. Help them anyway. Help them anyway. Give the world the very best you have, and you might just get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the very best you have anyway. People will disappoint you. I know I've disappointed people. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. For you see, in the end, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. So we keep that in mind. Lord, it's between us. When you go and do likewise, it's going to cost you something. Give and pay that cost anyway. When we first arrived in Zambia as young missionaries, we had everything. We just thought everything was going to be perfect. We, we, we thought, oh, man, we're going to become the Billy Graham of Africa and preach to thousands of people. <laughs> we were there nine weeks. We had went to a church that was meeting in a tent, had a dirt floor, and there were 4,000 people there that morning. It was, it was amazing. I, I thought this is what I was created to do. And the people in Africa, man, they can, when they worship, they dance, and it is beautiful. But when you're dancing on, a, on dirt that turns to powder, that causes dust go up, that dust will come down. 
and after the worship, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden this dust gets in your hair. Everywhere where you have a little moisture, it, it, it gets there, and you look at everybody, and you smile, and you got dirt in your teeth, and so do they. It's awesome. People were, were saved in the service, and the pastor said, can we do an, an, another service tonight? Which they normally don't do. They normally have one long four or five hour service that begins in the morning and ends in the afternoon. And, but we said, yeah, we'll come back t- tonight. And we came back that night and, and Mindy and the kids stayed home because they, they were little kids and they, it was all day. And they, where we lived, we did not have, we had water only in the morning. The water would shut off. We'd only have water for two hours a day, running water. And we'd save some buckets uh, to, for, for, for us to clean up after church. And the kids had school at 6 in the morning, and we knew we wouldn't have water before school started. So I said, the kids will be filthy if they go back. And So you guys stay. It's, you've been in church already for four or five hours today. It's okay. I'll go. So I went to church that night by myself, and again, the power of the Holy Spirit fell, and people's lives were changed, and God showed up, and it was amazing. And afterwards, I was just sitting there looking at the crowd as they were greeting each other, and some were leaving, and I was just thinking, what an amazing day. This is what I dreamed of. Some, some college students came up and started talking, and, and I found that they had no ride home. They were going to have to figure out a ride back to, the, to, the, to their houses because they didn't live on a campus, but they lived near the school. So I volunteered to take them home, and I had a speed the light vehicle given by the youth of the Sims of God in America, and I said, come and get in my car. The car seated nine people. We were able to get 15 people in there that, that, that evening. Again, it was awesome. Couldn't see much, couldn't move much. We smelled a lot, but it was awesome. And we, I began to drive and take them home in different places and finally dropped the last one off and just thought, man, thank you, Jesus. I was on top of the world. I drove to, to where we lived and, and in, in, in the city where we lived in Lusaka, the capital of Zambia, there was a, there was a uh, the houses had walls around them, like most places in Africa, security walls. We had a gate and we had a, a guard that was there 24 hours a day that uh, had a flashlight, and that's about it, but he could open the gate. And uh, he, he, he was there. I came and I honked the horn, wanting him to open the gate and to go in and tell Mindy about the, the evening service but he didn't come and open the gate. I was there for about three minutes, just honking the horn and waiting, and, and pretty soon a car drove, was driving down the road, and I, I had turned in to face the gate. Now, I had been told, don't just stay at the gate. If a car comes in behind, you might want to back up and, and park uh, the different directions so they can't block you in. And as I saw this car coming, I thought I need to back up and drive around the block. But I thought, no, I'm just being paranoid. I, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have courage. The car pulled right in behind me and blocked me. Five guys got out of the, the vehicle. Three of them had guns. Two of them had 9 millimeter pistols. The other one had an AK-47 machine gun. They pointed it right at me. My day went from being on the top of the world to all of a sudden, God, where are you? That quick. At that moment, though, God gave me peace, and I... I just did what they asked. They said, unlock the door and let us in. So I unlocked the door thinking they'd let me out and they'd just take the car and go. But nope, they all got, three of them got in the car. The other two without the guns got in their car and drove off. Here's two pistols at either side of me and the AK-47 in the back of my head. And they said, you're an American. We can tell by your accent. Where's your gun? I said, I don't have a gun. 
I said, I just come from church and I had a Bible on the dashboard. I said, I have a Bible. This is my uh, Bible, but I don't have a gun. So I guess knowing that I'd come from church and had a Bible that convinced them that I didn't have a gun, they then wanted to know where my cell phone was and where my money was. And they, they said, we're going to take the car and we're taking you with us. And if this car shuts down, we're going to kill you. We had an anti-theft device on the car, and if somebody, if it was engaged, they could drive about a mile or two, and then it would just shut off. You had to find a little button somewhere underneath the steering wheel to push it to get it going again. But it was not engaged because I had been driving it. It's good if you're in a parking lot somewhere and you're not with the car. That's awesome. But when you're with the car and they're telling you, if this car shuts down, we're going to kill you, my prayer quickly went, Lord, help this car to run. <laughs> Keep running. I said, it's going to run. And so we, after about two or three minutes, I, I convinced them and we started driving. I was in the middle of the front seat. And they were driving my car and, and the guy, one guy in the back seat. And uh, they wanted to know where my wallet was. I told them it was my pocket. They got it out. And I had 80,000 kwacha. On, that's what they call the money in Zambia, kwacha. 80,000, which is about $30. And uh, had that $30, they threw my wallet down on the ground with my pictures and, and credit cards, and they kept the, the, the money, put it in their pocket. And he said, where, the guy on this side is, where is your phone? And I said, well, it's, un, it's in the console. I'm setting on where, it's just under where I'm setting. He said, go ahead and get it. But it's very chaotic, and in the, in the moment, the guy in the back didn't know. He told me to reach in and get my phone. So as I tried to reach in and get my phone, the guy in the back saw me do that and just hit me in the back of the head with that AK-47. My head threw, flew forward, and I hit the, the, the mirror and sat back down, and, and uh, I'm not going to move again. But again, it's very chaotic. It's dark. It's late. The guy, about 20 seconds later, said, where's your phone? I said, well... I, I, I didn't get it. He said, get your phone. I told you to get your phone, get your phone. So I, again, reached to get it, again, hit in the head. Third time, I said, I, the guy in the back keeps hitting me every time I reach to get the phone. I can't, I can't get the phone. So they talked a little bit in, in an African language and, and, and got my, said I could get the phone. I got it, and they begin to calm down. No gun. The cars now run for about five minutes. They're driving through the city of Lusaka, a city of about two million people. No phone, so I, they know I can't call somebody. And they begin to settle down. They were very anxious at first. So I begin to settle down. Then they begin to make fun of me, knowing that I was a missionary, a pastor, had a Bible. And they said, turn on the Christian radio station. We want to listen to Christian music. They did not want to listen to Christian music. They wanted to mock me. But I turned the radio on. It was already on a Christian station. And it began to play Christian music. And we begin to drive through the city, this way and that way. And it would just make no sense how we were driving. And uh, finally, this song came on. The song just kept, same song just kept playing over and over. And it was in the language of Bimba. I did not understand what it was saying. Just kept playing over and over. And uh, I was kind of worried, you know, am I going to be okay? And we started driving out of the city going west. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to ask him how I get home. If they're taking me, how am I going to get home? And if they tell me I'm going to get home, then maybe I'll be okay. And so I said, how am I supposed to get home? You know, you, st you stole my car, you stole my wallet, you stole my phone. And uh, the driver said, oh, you can take a taxi back home. I said, how can I take a taxi? You, you have stolen my money. And the, and the driver said to the guy, go ahead and give him some of his money back. And I couldn't believe what was happening, but he gave me half of the money 
That 80,000 kwacha, he gave me about 40,000 kwacha back, about seven, seven, eight dollars back, um, or, or a little more than that actually, but he gave this money to me and I'm holding out this money and hearing this song play, not knowing what the song's saying, and in shock. But I'll tell you this, African thieves are so amazing, they give you money back. I mean, that, that's how great Africa is. Of course, that was not what happened. God was faithful through this time. And, I, and I, as I was just sitting there thinking and praying in my spirit, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, they think they're in charge, but I'm in charge. I'm able, Jesus was telling me in, in that way. I'm in charge. I, he's able. And uh, as I was holding on this, I finally just said, what is this song saying as I'm holding this money and, he, and praying and, uh, and uh, thinking, if they gave me money back, well, maybe they're just going to kill me and take my money again. You know how we think. We just go from one moment of high to the next moment of low. And so I said, how do I get home? They said, well, you can, you can, now you can take a taxi. But we just kept driving. So, what, so as this song was playing, I said, what is this song saying? And they quieted down and listened, and then they started to laugh. Started to laugh at the song. And I, they could tell I didn't know why they were laughing. And they said, this song is saying God is faithful and he'll take care of you. <laughs> Jesus never fails. So they start laughing. I start smiling. They said, what are you smiling about? We've stole your money. We're stealing your car. What are you, why are you smiling? And I said, because that song is true. God's faithful. He'll take care of us. And uh, they said, how is he taking care of you? I said, well, my wife and children are not with me. They are safe. And uh, they said, we wouldn't have hurt your wife and your, ch your children. I said, well, still, they're not here experiencing this. This is a horrible experience. And, uh, and I just started them talking about the Lord and about his faithfulness. And finally, the guy in the back told me to be quiet. He'd had enough of that. They turned down a dirt road and they let me out. They told me I could get the stuff from the car. I got my Bible. I got a, 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 a toy from, for my kids. And I got the car papers. I got my wallet and all my cards and uh, uh, credit cards and pictures. And I stood outside the, the door, uh, outside the car. And they came over to me, still with the guns pointed on, on me. I had told them I, would go, I was going to pray for them. And they said, are you going to pray for us now? Not asking for prayer, again mocking me. They then, I thought, well... Maybe they're going to shoot me, maybe they're not. The one guy acted like he wanted to shoot me, but they didn't. They got in the car and they drove away and they stole that car and I never saw it again and I never saw them again. And as I was walking back to the road, because I was about 20 or 30 miles away from the city at this point, and I could see the lights of the city in the distance, but I had no idea really where I was. I was walking on this dirt road. I came to the main road, tried to get a taxi, tried to get somebody to help. Nobody would stop. Nobody would help me. I finally found a little um, lodge, asked them if I could make a phone call, told them what happened. They said, our phone doesn't work. man walking through the little lobby said, I have a phone. When did you get carjacked? I said, just now. And he said, oh, please use my phone. So I called Mindy, and I was thinking, she doesn't know what is happening, so everything's going to be okay. And so I said, Mindy, I'm, I'm okay, but... And she started crying on the other end. The, the neighborhood, the guards in the, in the other homes saw everything happen. And they finally, our guard came to the door, the gate, and they told him what happened. And he went and told Mindy, he said, they, somebody has taken uh, your husband with guns. And uh, they didn't, for an hour and a half or so, she did not know where I was or if I was alive. But even in those moments, 
God is able and God is faithful. And as that song would sing, God is faithful, he'll take care of you. Even though we don't feel like it's going to happen, it's the reality. I, get, I, I, I told them where I was. They came with some other missionaries and picked me up. Went to this police station and began to make the report. And they said, we've heard about this. this. These people have actually carjacked four other people tonight. You were the fifth they carjacked. The one they carjacked before you, 40 minutes earlier, they shot and killed that man. I'm still excited because I'm alive and I'm thinking everything's great. I'm coming off of being, you know, surviving. I go home. The general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Zambia was there with other pastors. They begged me, please don't leave. Don't go back to America. Don't, don't take your, your family away. I said, I'm not. A, man, we're here. We, we love this. This is great. Went to sleep that night. Fell asleep. as like every, Nothing happened. But the next morning at four in the morning, I woke up and that peace that the Lord had given me, that peace that we sing about that passes all understanding was not there anymore because I was safe in my bed and I was scared to death. And things began to go in my mind because they had told me they had been watching me. They know as American, I have insurance, I'll get another car. They said, if you get another car, we'll be back. And I was thinking... But if they come next time and my children are with me, my wife is with me, and instead of being a man of faith because I survived that, I became, I became afraid and weak and puny and wanted to get out of Africa. And these wonderful Zambians that I loved just a few hours before, I began to not trust and not believe. I wanted to leave. I'm the youngest boy of three, three boys, so I have two older brothers I thought, if I leave, though, they're going to make fun of me. <laughs> so pride kept me in Africa for a little bit. <laughs> God can even use our pride sometimes. But I wanted to leave. I didn't want to go do ministry. Every time we were out, I thought, they're going to notice who I am before I ever know them. Maybe, maybe you know, I was always afraid. Our oldest son began having panic attacks as he was old enough to understand what had happened. The two younger children didn't really understand he began to get, be at school and he would get panic attacks. We'd, they thought he was having asthma attacks. We would go see him and he, he would then calm down. See, following God is going to cost you sometimes. Sometimes you've got to love people that have been, who've treated you wrong. And I didn't want to be there. And I didn't want to be Billy Graham of Africa. I didn't even want to be a person who lived in Africa for one more day. But we just kept doing one day at a time, praying and asking God to help. This happened in September, of the, uh, uh, September 9th. A few months later, I was getting a little bit better. And by, by, by January, God had brought a healing into our life. Our son was doing better. We were, we were now excited to be back in, in Africa. We developed some good relationships and friendships with Zambians. And God changed it. It didn't happen like that. But eventually God did a work in our life. And we've been going back. We leave in two more weeks to go back to Africa. Where we live. And where we've lived for 23 years. I want to encourage you this morning. You will go through difficult times. And we've went through difficult times since then. We'll go through more difficult times. But I want to tell you God is faithful. As that song said that night that I can still hear it playing, God is faithful and he'll take care of you. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're facing challenges and difficulties right now, God's faithful and he'll take care of you. Might not be like you think it should be. 
It might be a little different, but I'm telling you, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's faithful. He's faithful. If you're going through great times right now, you're at the top of your, your, your life and you're, on, you're feeling like I felt that night where nothing could go wrong. I don't want to discourage you, but until we get to heaven, life is a difficult challenge. And I want to face this life with a church like this and a community like this and with the Lord by my side. I don't want to do it on my own. When we fall, we get back up. When we lose, we keep going. Because ultimately, Jesus paid the price. And if we choose to follow him, we repent of our sins and we put our trust and we believe in him that he is the son of God and he rose again from the, from the grave and you're willing to can say that publicly, the Bible says you will be saved. I want to pray with you in these last few moments. I want to ask you just to stand. If you would be bold enough today, I want to pray with you. But I want to ask you to have some courage. And I want you to let everybody hear, without our heads bowed, we don't have any, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to ask you just, we're looking up here at me. If you feel in God at a distance, or you're going through a difficult time, or you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it's with a job or with finances. Or maybe it's a report that the doctor has given you. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's an unsaved loved one. I don't know what your situation is, but I tell you, Jesus does. Jesus knows you. He knows your name. And he's here this morning. And he is able. And he wants to finish the work he started in you just raise your hand and say yes I need prayer I'm going through a difficult time right now just hold it up just hold it up I need the Lord to help I want to put my trust in Jesus as, as our faithful Savior as our faithful God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus okay you can put your hand down I want to ask you I believe there's people here today that want to make a decision to follow Christ recommit your life to the Lord you want to accept Christ today as your Savior and turn from the life you're living and start following Him, would you raise your hand and say, I want to accept Christ. I want, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus. I want, to, I want Him to never leave me nor forsake me. Would you just raise your hand if you want to accept Christ as your Savior? I want to give you an opportunity. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand I, I just ask you to just come up here for for any anything just if you were one of the people that raised your hand this morning that you need be you need the lord's help or you want to ask christ to just here i just want you to come up here and just stand thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus come on there was many of you that raised your hand don't don't be shy we we're just gonna pray Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful, and he'll take care of you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite Pastor to come and stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to pray right now. Pray together. Pray for those that are here. So if you're, in, you're standing in the back, just raise you. Just 
put your hands toward these wonderful people and let's pray for them. Let's just begin to pray even now. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus for everyone that is up here. I pray that you would minister to them and you would touch them and you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would help them. You see what they're going through. You see their, their situation. You know them by name. Lord, you are a great encourager, a great provider, our, our great help. And Lord, I call on to you right now, Jesus. Bring a word, a word of encouragement to everyone here. Bless them. Grant favor upon them. Lord, for those that need healing, I pray you would heal them in the name of Jesus. For those that, that need a, a job, I pray you would provide for them a, a job. I pray for those that have financial difficulties, that you will provide for them their, their financial need, needs, Lord. I pray for those that are in, uh, dealing with unsaved loved ones, that you would, you would send somebody who would, who would minister to those unsaved loved ones and be a friend and encouragement. Lord, I pray you would send your Holy Spirit to convict them and let them experience your love in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just pray that you would bless each and every person here. If they feel like they've fallen and they need your help or they feel like they've been left alone and they need you to feel your, they need to feel your presence in such a real way, I pray you would do it so in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. You are faithful. We put our hope and our trust in you. We pray that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. And we do declare today, you are able and you are faithful, faithful forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.